This is the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. I am thrilled to tell you we are back for season two here on 98.7 ESPN. Dave Rothenberg with you here. It's the Hockey Show, 7 to 8, every Saturday from now, and we go as long as the locals go. So if the Rangers win the whole thing, we're going to take this thing into late June. If each team is bounced by the first round, it ends then. But we have 15 weeks of regular season hockey, and then we wait, and then we see. So thanks to everybody for their support and involvement in the show on this Saturday morning. Very busy show today. Uh, Kind of a where are we as we approach the halfway point of the season. Andrew Gross. From Newsday on the Islanders will join us. We'll take a listen to a lot of what Lindy Ruff has to say about the Devils. And is there some frustration there with his team? I would imagine a little bit the way they've played so far this season. Uh, We'll look ahead to what we have uh, coming up this week with the three locals. We'll do that later towards the end. So really a lot going on. Um, John Giannone from MSG joins us in just a moment. And, And for my money, and I don't think anybody, even an Islanders fan, Devils fan, would argue I think it's fair to say the most successful team of the three locals so far has to be the New York Rangers. John Giannone uh, from MSG Network is going to join us. Now, MSG currently airing a month-long lineup of very special programming, 30 Days of 30, presented by Caesars Sportsbook to celebrate former Rangers goalie and franchise icon Henrik Lundqvist. The multi-platform campaign will culminate next Friday, January the 28th, when the Rangers will be retiring Lundqvist's infamous, famous, wonderful number 30 into the rafters at MSG prior uh, to the team's game that night. The commemorative coverage on that night of the Jersey retirement will include a new one-on-one interview special with Lundquist and Steve Valaket, where Lundquist will give fans an in-depth look back at his storied career. So with all that being said and all the goodwill and the, the great play the Rangers have given us so far, Uh, In 2021-2022, let's welcome in our first guest this year on the Hockey Show from MSG. And that, of course, is John Giannone. John, thanks so much for a couple minutes and joining us this morning. First guest. Wow. Thanks. I feel special. I appreciate that. (laughs) That's right. When we were were producing and putting this together, it was like, who would have a Ricky Henderson leadoff type of feel? And somebody said, John Giannone, and we we ran with it. So we're excited to have you on. Um, Yeah. He's yeah. a Hall of Famer. I don't know if I measure up to that. I don't know. You're in, you're in our personal Hall of yeah. Fame here on 98.7 ESPN. So I got to tell you, I love the Rangers. Uh, they have one of the most passionate fan bases of all the New York teams, optimistic fans, all that being said. I don't know that if you would have said to me before the season, in your wildest dreams, Dave, can the Rangers be here now that I would have thought that this was overly realistic? I don't know that they would have thought that way either, to be honest with you, Dave. Uh, you know, when Gerard Gallant was brought in, I think the mantra was we have to at least strive for the playoffs. The, the next step in the evolution of the franchise with turning it over and introducing a lot of young blood and bringing in Artemi Panarin to sort of be the standard bearer offensively, all of that, turning it over from Henrik to Igor Shesterkin. I think this was supposed to be a next step season and bringing in Gerard Gallant was supposed to represent that next step. But that step wasn't supposed to include being at the top of the 
uh, Metro Division standings uh, as the new year approached, uh, being atop the league at one point after the new year. I don't think anybody thought that would happen, but it's been a wonderful scene throughout the season to watch this team sort of develop, everybody understanding what role they're supposed to play, the leadership group sort of organically developing without anybody wearing a C on their sweater, and of course, just Durkin becoming just otherworldly, you know, in, in his third year here in New York. So all of that together has combined to produce a really nice story over the first three months and probably raise the optimism level of a fan base, as you said, which is both honest, passionate, and, you know, has been groomed over many, many, many decades to hope, uh, you know, throughout the hockey season. Now, you mentioned something, and this is kind of where I want to jump off with the individual players. And, and I do the show Monday through Friday here on 98.7 ESPN from 5 to 8 with the, the former number one pick in the uh, NHL draft, Rick DiPietro, who obviously was a, a netminder and knows the position like very few do. And every time we talk Rangers, he's like, Shesterkin is so good. He's so good. He says he might be the best goaltender in the entire game right now. It's him, maybe Vasilevsky. I mean, th- this happened, and, and we knew he was heading in this direction, but John, it's so quick, and I know he's not a young guy in terms of age. I mean, he's young, but he's not, you know, 19 or 20. But are you at all surprised that it has happened so quickly that when you think about the elite netminders, Shesterkin is right there so quickly? Yeah, it's almost the same answer to the first question, just uh-huh. about how, you know, I think everybody expected a next step from Shesterkin. You know, when he came to the to the Rangers, when he came to North America – People looked at the back of his hockey card and they said, these are numbers he put up in the KHL that you only see in a video game. And if you were playing a video game and a goalie had those numbers, you'd say that the cheat code was busted because it just wasn't fair what he was doing in the KHL. And then he comes over here and you're like, okay, there's obviously going to be an adjustment period, but it didn't take him long when he came here when the Rangers were in a situation where they were right on the cusp of figuring out, do we keep this season going and try to make the playoffs or do we turn it over to this kid? And he comes in and he wins nine of his first 10 with Henrik Lundqvist on the roster and on the bench. So it seemed as though from the moment he got here, nothing faced him and he was going to do exactly what he did on a larger ice surface in Russia here on a smaller surface in the United States. He has an impeccable ability to read the play to read the game, to always know where the puck is. And quite honestly, he's probably the best puck-handling goaltender since Marty Brodeur. And that has really helped the Rangers alleviate some of the pressure in their own end because when the puck gets dumped in, normally teams dump a puck with the idea that they are going to get it back. Most often, if Shesterkin gets his stick on the puck, they're not getting it back. And that, in addition to everything he does to keep the puck out of his own net, has made him that much more successful this early on. He really is a phenomenal goaltender. John Gino and MSG Networks joins us here on the Hockey Show 9870 ESPN on this Saturday morning. Um, he's always been good, and he's always been a, a player that the Rangers fan would look at and say, God, he's big, he's fast, he's physical. Why, why do we not get more out of Chris Kreider? Uh, I don't know whether it's the coaching change or the fact that maybe he's a bigger voice in the locker room, but that one thing more, that has been answered this year, John. He, I mean, he's doing everything, scoring goals, leadership, physicality, their game in and game out. You're getting the best, I think, of what Chris Kreider has to offer, right? You know what's interesting, Dave? That's all very astute. I think the most noticeable thing to me about Chris, and, and I've known Chris pretty well throughout his career, 
there are some people when they sign big money long-term contracts for many years and a team makes that kind of a commitment, sometimes that becomes an albatross. For him, I think it became a propellant. I think he so embraced the idea that if you remember back at the time where Chris's contract was coming up and people didn't know which way it was going to go, Mike Kreider get traded. Do the Rangers really want to invest in a guy who can't bust that 30-goal plateau? And then the Rangers make the long-term commitment. You can almost trace the lineage of his consistency to that moment. And, and that's the kind of guy Chris is. I've gotten to know him a little bit off the ice as well. He's a very different cat than a lot of hockey players are. And I say that in the most flattering way because he, he's, he's very thoughtful. He's very smart. He speaks three languages, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that he really took to heart the idea that this franchise, the only one he's ever known, would make that kind of a commitment to him at the cusp of his career. And I think he has used that as a means to show them the uh, gratitude that they showed him. And honestly, I think he brings that to the ice every day. And now he realizes, as he's starting to push a little bit closer to 30, that even though he doesn't have a C, he is two or three real leaders on this team and how he goes. So go the young players and his ability to maybe not rah, rah, the room or get up and scream, but also to send his messages to the younger players in the way he does cerebrally and thoughtfully and articulately. I think all of that allows Chris to become the player that we're now seeing and success breeds success, right? The more he scores, the more confidence he builds in the ability to score and then the more he scores. So that's what we're seeing from him, I think, so far. Yeah, it, it really is uh, working in the in the right direction, everything for the Rangers. So uh, trade deadline coming up in uh, just about two months. And let's say for argument's sake, John, that they're in, in similar standing, close to, to the top or right there or a point or two out or, you know, in, in this kind of situation. What, what do you envision? Do you envision this team being active at the deadline? And, and if so, what would you say to, to take them – to that next level, that next step, they would need to acquire to kind of put them over the top. Yeah, it's funny, right? Because, again, that's the job of every president general manager, and that's Chris Drury's thought process, and I'm sure he's been already thinking about that. How much do you want to perhaps upend the concept of developing this cachet of young players to become good for years and years and years of time versus using some of those assets to go out and get a player who can really help you now. All that said, you know, Chris is going to bring it right down to deadline day before he decides what he wants to do. Clearly they've gained enough points that the playoffs are most likely going to be a scenario. So that said, if you're in it, you might as well try to win it, especially when you have a goalie who can carry you a whole long way. If I had to speculate right now where the thought process would be, I'd say a second-line winger, uh, somebody to go on the right side of Panarin and Strom. Uh, I would probably say maybe a third-liner for depth, maybe, though. And then I would think a third-pair defenseman, maybe a veteran. If Braden Schneider doesn't quite develop, and I think he's going to be really good because he's a, he's a willing, confident has good size, good young right side defenseman, but maybe not ready yet to uh, withstand the rigors of Stanley Cup playoff action. If you want to try to make a run, I would think a third pair of veteran defensemen would be the area. So maybe second line wing, 
third line somewhere like that, maybe a centerman for the third line, and then uh, a third pair D. All right, John Gino and MSG Network joins us here on the Hockey Show, 9870 ESPN. Obviously, um, on Friday, January 28th, coming up in just six days, the Rangers are going to uh, retire the, the number 30, uh, Henrik Lundqvist. I don't, I don't think there's anybody really more deserving almost in the history of the franchise than him. And and you guys have the privilege. Henrik is going to be in studio um, this week with you and Steve Valaket to kind of break it down. And, and th- this should be a fun week for you guys to, to pick the brain of, of one of the greats. Yeah, in fact, he's going to be uh, he's going to be on the, the show on Monday night uh, against the LA Kings again. So, uh, yeah, you know, he's it's been so much fun having him in the studio because again, I probably interviewed him a thousand times over fifteen years. Uh, probably spent as much time with him as I did with my kids over the fifteen years that he was a Ranger since I was with the team all the time. And you know, for as accommodating as he was, and I told him at the end of every single year. Far none, 15 straight years, I thank him at the end of the year for making my job easier because he was always accommodating. I could count on two fingers the amount of times he said he didn't want to do an interview, which is saying a lot when you carry the franchise on your back for 15 years. Uh, but all that said, Dave, he has shown a side of himself to us, both in the green room while we're watching the game and on the air, that I think has been so refreshing and so cool because he allowed the players to see that during his time as a Ranger, but he kept that Henrik Lundqvist veneer pretty well over 15 years in the public eye, and that meant with us as well. So to see him figuratively and literally let his hair down a little bit, like the night on Halloween when he showed up in a Viking costume and wanted uh-huh. to do the show that way, and we did a segment of the show. I mean, it's just the, between the between the insights he gives, which is great, you know, the, the little bit of humor that he shows, he and Steve have a great relationship. Uh, going back to the time that they were one and two as Rangers goaltenders, and that has maintained over the years. So to be able to get all that out of him on our show, I think has been really refreshing. He's been a breath of fresh air for all of us. And uh, I can't wait for Friday because, you know, we tease him all the time. Like, are you going to go the, uh, you know, the Mike Richter route where you just had such, you know, evident pride in the night, or are you going to go the Mark Messier Kleenex route where you're going to cry like a baby? You know, and so we're, we're, we're anxious to see which Hank we're going to see. It's, but as he said, the second I mentioned my wife and kids, I'm going to lose it. And I said, you should, because that's exactly, you know, how representative families are, and his family in particular, in allowing him to achieve what he did. It's going to be an unbelievably cool night, and I can't wait to be a part of it. Yeah, the team is playing great hockey. Uh, they're the toast of, of New York right now, and they retire one of the greats numbers coming up in just a couple of days. Things are good at the Garden. John Giannone, great stuff. I appreciate you. Uh, the first guest this season on the Hockey Show, and, and I hope that you'll uh, come on again and we can we can break down the Rangers on their run to maybe maybe even a Stanley Cup this season. Babe, I'm going to go get a plaque made right now and put it on my wall. I, I'm that proud of being the first guest on your show. As, as we are to have you. Thank you so much. That is, <laughs> yep, that is John Giannone. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Andrew Gross from Newsday. On the Islanders. We'll do that next on this Saturday morning on the Hockey Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's get a little extra money in your pocket. Tonight at MSG, the Blue Shirts host the Arizona Coyotes, who are among the most poorest defensive teams in the league. A juicy matchup for Panarin, Kreider, and the boys. In addition, the Canadians visit the Colorado Avalanche. I would expect Colorado superstars McKinnon and McCarr to light up the scoreboard. 
On the betting front, the Islanders host the Maple Leafs tonight at UBS Arena. Fans will be all over John Tavares, and I would expect it to be a low-scoring game. Look to take an under if the play is five and a half or even six. For Sunday the 23rd, the Florida Panthers visit the Seattle Kraken. Florida has been on fire recently. Go heavy on the Panthers if you find a 1.5 line. As always, bet with your head, not with your heart. Gambling problem? Dial 877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. Now back to the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford Auto Group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. We roll along here on a Saturday morning. It is the Hockey Show. I am Dave Rothenberg with you here. And, of course, you're listening, locked into, really, 98.7 ESPN. Big thanks to John Giano. Now we turn our attention from the Rangers to the Islanders. Bring in Andrew Gross, covers the Islanders for Newsday. Does a great job. Andrew, we appreciate you helping us on our maiden voyage of the Hockey Show this year. Thanks so much. No, Dave, no. It's an absolute uh, honor to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, anybody that says it's an honor to be on the show, you might be booked as a, as a regular guest. So we appreciate the kind <laughs> words, certainly. Uh, big picture with this yeah, team. Well, I don't know that any club, Andrew, has had a more difficult roadblock to get through when you look at not being able to play home games for, what, what was it, the first 13 games of the season. And then on top of that, right. the, the amount of games canceled, the amount of COVID that they had to deal with. The fact that the Islanders are sitting here, not great position, but seemingly having rebounded a little bit, is a testament to the organization, the head coach, and and talk us through how difficult the start of the season has been for this club. Yeah, no, it's you know they they, they broke up the thirteen game road trip to start the season kind of into four easy segments, so that that part of it wasn't taxing. But as soon as that road trip ended, it was really the last game down in Florida that Josh Bailey tested positive, and that just started a state of COVID-19 outbreaks amongst the team. So, you know, they, it was really sad. This is a franchise that has been pointed towards a a new building. Really, you know, they needed a new building in the late 1980s, certainly by the early 1990s. And, you know, we all know the the efforts with the lighthouse and, and everything this organization has gone through to get a new building. And they finally opened it up. And they're playing with a hybrid NHL AHL uh, roster, and I really, I, I, I feel like the, the the Islanders and and certainly the Ottawa Senators and, and the San Jose Sharks, they were all kind of guinea pigs for the league. The league made them play through the bulk of the outbreak, whereas you know you got into December, and the league was much more uh, willing to postpone games quicker. Um, but the Islanders really had to play with a hybrid roster for a long time. And as a result, they got off to a really bad start at home. And, you know, since about December 7th or so, they, they have started to collect points with, with regularity. And that's what they need to do. They can't, they just can't look at the big picture of, of the hole they're in at this point. But we can, and that's the nice thing about sitting in our in our ivory perch, being a fan or the reporter or the sports talk show host, is we can sit back and say what needs to happen. You know, I was looking at the amount of games, because the Islanders have only played 33 games as we enter this, this Saturday morning now. Um, 
the amount of games and lack of days off in the second half of the season, it, it's staggering, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, was it 43 games in 80 days when they come out of the, uh, out of the all-star break, uh, which is, you know, that's more than every other day, certainly. They have a ton of back-to-backs, and, and it, you know, it, it's not the back-to-backs that kill you. It's really the three and fours that really grind you down, and they have a ton of those um, playing a back-to-back tonight against Toronto after, you know, Arizona on Friday. And, and even though they have a, a seven-game homestand here, that's, they're, they're playing seven games in 12 days, which, which you don't find. But I, I think, you know, if you ask every single player and the coaching staff, they would much prefer this rather than, you know, at one point they played, what was it, four games in about 25 days, hmm. you know, December into January. It, 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 it was crazy. You know, the team just never played. And uh, Barry Trott said the other day, he sort of felt like the Islanders weren't in the NHL anymore. Um, you know, they, he said they felt like a college team that would only play one or two games a week on the weekends. And that was it. And they were watching the rest of the league play. And that, that, that's more discouraging. You know, you're, players any athlete as you know just craves routine and these players want to get into a rhythm of playing you know basically every other day and if you have to play a back-to-back fine but they'd much prefer the grind of playing games to uh the long layoffs they had yeah it really has been unbelievable andrew gross on the islanders from newsday joins us here on the hockey show 98.7 espn so do you think, I mean, for, for the fan, I'm sure it is. For the player, are they able to keep that focus and not look and say, Mike, I mean, we're 20-plus points behind the Rangers and Carolina and Pittsburgh and Washington. Like, is it realistic to think they can go day by day by day and not look and see? And for obvious reasons, they've played so many games less and they haven't gotten off to a great start. But how hard do you think it must be for this team to, to not look ahead and not look at where they are, just kind of take day by day by day? Look, they, they, they know exactly where they are. And, you know, they all look at the standings. They, they know the task in front of them. But, and, and I'm not just saying about the Islanders. I, I, you know, hockey players in general, and I, I would think most athletes, it, it, it's not like you or me. We, we do look at the bigger picture, and we worry about the bigger picture all day. You know, that the players are very good. If it's a practice day, they put their energy into you know, doing their best at that practice that day. If it's a game day, they're preparing for a game. Uh, they're very, <laughs> they're very regimented and, 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 you know, kind of creatures of habit. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it may be a little incomprehensible to us as to how they do it, but they compartmentalize very, very well. And they're very good at, at folk. And it's not even game to game. You know, they, they're going shift to shift, period by period. Um, they're very good at it, um, you know, until, until it gets, you know, I, I've been around teams, you get into March and you know, the team has no chance. And then, you know, it just falls off the, the, the wagon and, you know, the, the players sort of lose their discipline there, but in the meat of the season, the players are, are very good about, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, accomplishing that daily task in hand. It really is remarkable. So I know there are a lot of Islanders fans that listen to this show 
Do you look at this team right now in the, let's be fair, predicament that they're in and say to the Islanders fan, it is very realistic that they can still make the postseason? Realistic it might be a little bit strong. I mean, they, they, they certainly have a chance. Uh, they, they're, you know, they're going to have to play probably, you know, uh, 700 hockey. Uh, over the rest of the season here, uh, which, you know, and if they can play at that rate, they do belong in the playoffs. The, the question to me is which team are they able to beat out? Uh, the, the Penguins are playing fantastic hockey. The Hurricanes are playing fantastic hockey. The Rangers are playing really good hockey. Uh, the Capitals are, are also in a playoff spot right now, and you, you, you don't really expect them to kind of fall out and then you know in the in the other division uh, you know between the two florida teams toronto and boston uh, just finding a team to leap above amongst the, the the eight currently in a playoff spot that's going to be the really difficult task i i don't put it past the islanders to to turn it around and play at a high winning percentage. I just don't know if even doing that, they'll be able to beat out some of these clubs that, you know, look, you know, that the hurricanes look on, on any given night, the hurricanes look like the best team in the NHL. The Bruins look like the best team in the NHL. The Penguins have looked like the best team in the NHL. And certainly we know how good the Rangers are playing. So I, I just, I, I just wonder which team, they have a chance of beating out, not so much that they will or will not be in a playoff race by the end of the season. So what has to happen for the Islanders to play that 700 hockey? Like, like give us a couple of keys that you look at and say, in order to get to the final, I don't know, 10 games of this season, and if the Islanders get hot and have a good run to end it, this needs to happen for them to be in position where that's even a possibility. Well, I think I think we're going to see a lot tonight against Toronto because so far this season the Islanders, and again a lot of this is because of the rosters they were playing with, but they have not been good uh, against the elite teams in the NHL. I, I believe uh, their record against teams holding playoff spots is something like two ten and two, uh, you know, it, it, and and the goals. Uh, the goal differential here, I'm, I'm just looking it up right now. Uh, I wrote about this a few days ago, but against teams in playoff spots in either conference, the Islanders are 2-10-2, and they've been outscored 46-21. to 21. So wow. where I start is the Islanders simply have to up their game against the best teams in this league. And, and uh, that's, you know, the power play has been much better as of late. It, it, was, it was a train wreck. Uh, through the first two months of the season. Uh, but then they go through a stretch where they're 10 of 30 on, on the power play, which, you know, leads any league in, in power play percentage. So that's been better. Matthew Barzell has been a lot of fun to watch lately. The goaltending, either Ilya Sorokin, who's, who's the team MVP at this point, and uh, uh, Semyon Barlamov, you know, the two of them uh, give the Islanders a chance every night. Really, it's... Uh, and, and, and the other great thing uh, about this season has been watching the development of 22-year-old defenseman Noah Dobson. Um, he's really blossomed, if not, you know, a top-two defenseman, certainly a top-four defenseman. And 
He could be the Islanders' best defenseman, not named Adam Pellick at this point, who's their all-star. And then the other, the other crucial factor will be how quickly, speaking of defensemen, how quickly do they get Ryan Pulak uh, back into the lineup? And, you know, he was, he's been out since November 15th, and that injury, a uh, lower body, we believe it's a foot, it was supposed to be four to six weeks, and we're going on 10 weeks here. But he's starting to skate again. Barry Trotz uh, uh, the other day called uh, Pulak day-to-day. So the, the, the quicker he gets back into the lineup, the better chance the Islanders have. Well, if people love the Islanders, I'm sure they love following you, and they're going to have a very busy second half of this season. Andrew, thank you so much for waking up early and doing this with us this morning. I hope we get to do this again soon, and uh, enjoy the second half. A lot of a lot of games for your New York Islanders. Thanks so much. Yeah, and and you'd rather have it that way than sitting around on you know on your hands all the time. But Dave, thanks so much for having me. Anytime you got my number and. Uh, Best to you and your family. Thanks so much and safe and, and good health and all that kind of stuff to you and your family as well. So that's Andrew Gross from Newsday on the Islanders. Quick break. Come back. We look at the Devils here in 2021-2022. It is the Hockey Show. I'm Dave Rothenberg with you right here on a Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN. Andy from Merrick presents today's Defensive Analytics. Sponsored by Slomans, the leader in home defense. Protecting the net often comes down to the goalies and their ability to make a crucial save. For the first half of this season, among all NHL goaltenders, minimum 10 games played, the New York Rangers' Igor Shesterkin ranks number one with a 9.39 percentage. He is followed by Toronto's Jack Campbell and Pittsburgh's Tristan Jarry. The Islanders' Ilya Sorokin ranks fifth with a 9.27 percentage. How do you protect your home like the top defensive teams? Simple. Slowman's Total Home Security. Serving customers for nearly 100 years with free equipment installed by a Slowman Pro. A professional monitoring team protecting your home round the clock and no cost upgrade program to keep your system optimized. Call Slowman today at 866-756-6467. Again, that's 866-756-6467. Now back to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. As we roll along on this Saturday morning, Rothenberg with you, 98.7 ESPN. It is, of course, the show that you've become familiar and accustomed with, the Hockey Show here on 98.7 ESPN. We've kind of done a little... um little Rangers, done a little Islanders as well. And big thanks, of course, to John Giannone and, and Andrew Gross here on a Saturday morning. And we, we need to spend a little bit of time on the Devils. So we're just about at that halfway point for the Devils. And I think it's fair to say it's been a, a somewhat disappointing 38-plus games for New Jersey. They sit here at 14 wins, 19 losses, and five overtime losses. So a grand total of 33 points, which at the moment is good for seventh in the Metropolitan Division. Problem being, eighth and last is the Islanders, who have played considerably less games than the Devils up to this point. Their goal differential on the season is a very unsightly minus 25. Devils at home, 9-8-3. On the road, a very difficult 5-11-2 have not been good in the shootout, just one in four 
four and six in their last 10, and they carry a three-game losing streak as we speak on a Saturday morning. Now, last time out, a really difficult loss uh, against the Arizona Coyotes. It's a that's a bad loss, a 4-1 loss. And you know the head coach of the Devils, Lindy Ruff, cannot feel confident or good or, or really probably have a lot of good feelings this Saturday on his club. And let's take a listen to what the head coach of the Devils had to say recently. We start with Lindy Ruff saying his team, first and foremost, has to start playing some consistent hockey. You know, I think when they got their second, we got deflated for a little bit. But I, you know, I thought we we came in on a two and one with uh, Bastion, and you know, we missed the net again. A small detail where, you know, we turned a good, really good chance or a good look that could have created some good good momentum for us. You know, I I think that turned into a negative for us. The ability to just play your system, shift in, shift out, because not every shift is going to go your way. It is something that has to become a strength. That we were doing it in the first period. Really felt that. A couple changes, our shifts got extended, a couple changes hurt us. There was numerous small things that, you know, helped gain the momentum for them. Now, the, the them is the Arizona Coyotes, and of course the Devils with a 4-1 loss against Arizona uh, earlier in the week. And, and you can hear the frustration in the head coach of the Devils' voice, and I'm sure he is. This team has not done what they thought they had a chance to do this season as of yet. And here is the answer now. Is it frustrating, kind of repeating the same message to your team over and over and over? I think as a coach, you repeat yourself a lot. You really do. You know, if you look at the way we played in the first period, you know, we, we kept kept repeating how we needed to play. You know, you keep repeating that. Second period, you've had some longer changes. We were pushing to try to get, you know, a second goal. There is always a time inside a shift that someone may have to cover for somebody else. That's just what, what hockey is. I mean, if you look at some of the mistakes they made that we didn't capitalize on, you would say that they would talk about, we need to do this and this, and you, you repeat that. In 82 games, you, you repeat it a lot. In a, inside of a period, you repeat it a lot. And my focus was really play really well defensively, and a couple of those, you know, a couple turnovers cost us goals, and you know, that, got them, that got them going. And the Devils have not played well recently, having lost three in a row and sitting here at a sub-500 record. So you hear what Lindy Ruff has to say. It is frustrating. He's got to kind of repeat that same message consistently. Well, here's an important question for the head coach of the Devils. Is your message not being heated right now at the moment? Well, if the message wasn't heated, we wouldn't have come out. We only gave him one shot. Yeah. You know, in the first period, I think if the message wasn't heated, we did a lot of good stuff. I think, you know, the ability to fight through a little bit of the frustration when you play that well, you don't score. You know, and you see that three of the first four or five shots go in. I think there, there's some frustration there. you got to battle through that frustration. But if the message wasn't heard, we would have never came out the way we did. All right, so the answer to that is clearly no. The message is absolutely being heated, which is good news. And what do you expect to hear from Lindy Ruff? Now, talk about some of the youth on this team. And that can be difficult to deal with the young players who, you know, some days play well, some days don't, hard to keep their focus. Is part of the frustration, Lindy Ruff, with this, the youth that you have to deal with on this club right now? I think part of our play is youth. I think that part of our play was we did a great job controlling the outside of the offensive zone, but we didn't control the inside. Um, and we, we need to score dirtier goals. We, even in a third period, you know, the play that got in, inside to Mercer, those are the plays that, you know, we have to put in the back of the net. So, yeah, there's a lot of youth there. Uh, but there's some experienced guys that need to make sure that they're doing the right things too. So there you hear uh, Lindy Ruff, and you can tell frustration, and, and he should be frustrated. He's a guy with a long, storied resume whose team is not playing 
the way that he would hope or the management would hope right now at the moment, playing with the lead. How important is it for his team to be able to do that? Here is Lindy Ruff on the Devils learning to play, moving forward here with the lead. It's a learning process that takes time. You know that even playing with the lead, you will give up opportunities. We've seen numerous games where we've trailed and we've got back in the game. We've tied games late, pulled goalies in tied games, scored late. Playing with the lead, you still have to play aggressive. There's a zone between being too safe and applying enough pressure on the other team so that you still can control the game. But it's coming back in your own end and doing the right things. Uh, staying on the right side of the puck. Also, don't turn your back on the defense when he's making a play. Winning your wall battles. There's a lot of little things. It's funny. Every soundbite we play, we set up for the next one. And the next one is uh, having to avoid getting frustrated. And you can hear at the end of that answer on learning to play with the lead. that yes, there's a positive feel to Lindy Ruff. And that's kind of his demeanor. But it kind of sets up the next one of, of having to avoid getting frustrated because it, it feels and you can kind of hear in his voice that, you know, he may be expected more from this team at, at this point. Again, 38 games in, five games under 500, sitting here in seventh of eight. And odds are very soon they're going to fall behind the Islanders. So you don't feel great right now, although it is a long season. Certainly here is Lindy Ruff. You have to avoid. It's so important for any young team. Have to avoid getting frustrated. When we got down 2-1, we lost a little bit of our patience. And, you know, that's the one thing that you have to live with, you have to live through, you have to grow through it. You know, just because it's 2-1 and maybe a couple of bad breaks have gone the wrong way, it's only 2-1. Let's not make this 3-1. And I think that's, you know, the part where the frustration comes in. We've got to stay away from that. You know, do the right things. We'll get, we'll get our opportunity and we'll get back in the hockey game. So still some optimism there from, from Lindy Ruff. And, and one more, and then we'll kind of preview um, looking ahead to what we have for all the locals next week, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils. And obviously now we're at that halfway point. We're not going to have the Olympic break, so we're going to go straight through. And the Islanders obviously with a million games coming up. But one last one from Lindy Ruff. Do you need more finishers on this team? It's been an area that, you know, with young players that, again, you, you, you hope to see some growth. It's been something all year where we, we haven't had the ability when we've – We've been in a position to get that second or third one. We haven't got it. You know, I think we have some finishers that uh, right now that are struggling. And when you look at uh, Janssen, who got off to a tremendous start, I mean, he had a great tip in the first period. It didn't go for him. Don't get frustrated. You know, you got to go look for the second one. Uh, second, he had a wraparound in the second period where uh, he had a couple, a couple really good looks. It'll, it'll go eventually. So we have some finishers that are struggling a little bit that I think that we got to get more out of. All right, so the answer to that one is doesn't sound like this team needs more finishers. They need the guys that they have within this organization already to start playing at a higher clip, and, and that's what you get. Again, you go back to youth, and not every team is going to be the Rangers. See, the Rangers have a great balance in my mind of, of youth and veterans where you know even if the youth is not playing well, you have the Panarins, you have some of these elder veterans who have been through the battles before Chris Kreider, perfect example. So if you can rely on those guys, and then you have hot and cold you know, young players, you can get by with that. In the case of the Devils, it's not clicking all on one page at the moment. So there you have kind of our insight with the Devils. Very, very busy week um, for New Jersey coming up. And, of course, every week here on the Hockey Show, we'll sit back, we'll, we'll analyze, we'll hear from the head coach and all the particulars when it comes to your New Jersey Devils. So we are a hockey magazine show. 
we're going to go back into, you know, where are they now kind of segments and and players that you grew up with that you want to know what what's happened to a, I don't know, we, we've had Clark Gillies on in the past. We've had um, John Tanelli look to have uh, Brian Trottier. We'll get into the Devils and the Rangers, and obviously we'll be a, a very busy portion of the show with that as well. Uh, we'll look at what the teams have done in the prior weeks and what they'll do in the, the coming weeks, and we'll move forward in the second half of the hockey season like that, but certainly didn't want to shortchange the Devils, give them a little bit of conversation here on the Hockey Show. We'll look forward next, of course, the upcoming schedule for the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils, and we'll we'll do that in just a moment. So I'm Dave Rothenberg, and if you're just tuning in on a Saturday morning and you didn't realize that we did this, we, we did it last year for about 14 weeks all the way through the Islanders run up until that game seven against the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we are back from now until the end of the season as well. I'm Dave Rothenberg with you right here on a Saturday morning. It is the Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now back to the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. So this has been outstanding stuff here on a really, really cold Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you on the Hockey Show on 98.7 ESPN. Again, big thanks to John Giannone. Great job from MSG. Rangers are playing some really outstanding hockey at the moment. Uh, of course, Andrew Gross from Newsday. Great job by him. Again, the Islanders are in a weird spot because they have such a crazy, busy second half of the season. And we'll see. We'll see if Barry Trotz can lead this team back into. Obviously, they're not going to win the division, but back in to contention. So at least the last, say, 15 or so games are meaningful uh, for the Islanders. As always, want to thank our sponsors here on the Hockey Show. And that starts with the All-American Auto Group with locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and, of course, Point Pleasant. So without our sponsors, we, we would not be here presenting the Hockey Show every Saturday morning. And like I mentioned earlier, and I'll continue to as we, you know, get started here, in 2022 on the Hockey Show is we're going to be with you every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 o'clock. And then it's going to be Joe Wiz. And then I'll be live again with three hours of, you know, all over the place kind of radio of of Giants. And obviously today, the big story, the Giants, they've hired uh, Joe Shane as their new GM. And what does that mean moving forward for the head coach? And we'll do Stump Rothenberg and all that stuff. So you get an extra hour of me, 7 to 8 every Saturday. Mark that down. Then 8 to 9, Joe Wiz. Then 9 to noon, of course, will be me again here on 98.7 ESPN. And if you are somewhat new or maybe completely new to the show, what we do is we kind of recap in the opening segment what we've seen this past week from our locals. And then in the last segment, which we're in right now, we look at what we have coming up this coming week. So now let's take a look at the upcoming schedule presented by the All-American Auto Group at locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast, allamericanford.net. Rangers with three games, okay? Monday against the Kings. Now, remember, they played the Kings on that West Coast uh, little, little jaunt, and now they get them at the Garden. That's a 6.30 start, and that game is on 10.50 a.m. So Monday against the Kings at the Garden on 10.50 a.m. at uh, 6.30. Then off Tuesday... Off Wednesday, Thursday, on the road, in Columbus, also starts at 6.30. And you can catch 
that one on 98.7, right here on 98.7 ESPN, uh, Rangers at the Blue Jackets. And then, it's funny, the Rangers play Monday, off Tuesday, off Wednesday, game Thursday, and then back-to-back on Friday. Friday, 7.30 is the start at the Garden against the Wild, and that's going to be a special one. That is Henrik Lundqvist Retirement Ceremony Night can be heard on 98.7 ESPN starting extra early at 6.30. So you get the full hour extended pregame show as the Rangers spend uh, whatever time it is. It's not enough for what Henrik Lundqvist meant to this organization. And reflecting back for a minute on Lundqvist came up in in 2005-2006 and was the Rangers primary netminder from 05-06 to 2019-2020. Every year, you look at the amount of games the guy played. 53, 70, 72, 70 again, 73, 68, 62, 63, 65. He was so durable and so, really for, for lack of a better term, sensational. And how about this? Guy has a 2-4-3 goals against in his career and 459 victories. Now, I know a lot of people say, yeah, but he never won the big one. And it's fair. And he never won a cup. And that's something that, you know, will, will always go against him. But I would just kind of implore you, look look at who he played with. And I don't think you look at the Rangers and say, those were Stanley Cup caliber teams. I think the reason that he had them in numerous Eastern Conference Finals and led them to the Stanley Cup Finals is because he was so good. And he kind of carried those teams back in the day. And again, a goals against in the playoffs of, of 2.30 and a save percentage of, of 921. Just really phenomenal, phenomenal numbers for just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. So next Friday, um, the retirement ceremony of one Henrik Lundqvist and Boy, does does he absolutely 100% unequivocally deserve that honor. So that's the Rangers, Monday, Thursday, Friday. As far as the Islanders, very light week next week. Very light week. Uh, Tuesday, so the, the Islanders, of course, played last night. So they're off Saturday, off Sunday. Tuesday, home against the Flyers. Flyers have not played well uh, on a long losing streak at the moment. That's at UBS, 7 o'clock. Against the Flyers, you can hear that game right here on 98.7 ESPN. Off Wednesday, back at it Thursday as the Kings continue their local tour. And you'll understand more about that in just a moment. Islanders Thursday, home against the Kings. You can hear that game at 6.30 on 10.50 a.m. So the Devils, tomorrow, Sunday night, 7 o'clock, against the Kings. Okay? Then off Monday, Tuesday, back in action, 7 o'clock against the Stars. Off Wednesday, Thursday, very difficult. On the road, maybe against the best team in all of the NHL. Devils take the show on the road and take on the Lightning. So again, Devils Sunday night, Kings Tuesday night, Stars both at home Thursday night on the road in Tampa to take on the Lightning. Big thanks. I mean, it feels great to be back with the show. Want to give big thanks to John Giannone, Andrew Gross, um, Andy from Merrick, of course, our executive producer on the show, Jake Montgomery, who stepped in today and did a great job instead of 
Anthony Pusick, who typically is here with me and does a phenomenal job. Ray Dinahan, Ryan Hurley, John Winthrop, uh, and a partridge and a pear tree. Great job by everybody on the Hockey Show. Greatly appreciate it. We'll be back every single Saturday through the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, whoever it's going to be, playoff run. We'll do it every week until it's over. I'm Dave Rothenberg. Joe Wiz is up next right here on this chilly Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net.